It is, it's not an easy feat. I, I envy anybody who's really good at this stuff, really good at taking care of children. Uh, there's a reason why they're paid as, as well as they're paid. Granted, I think they do gouge us a little bit. But um, I, not us specifically, but just in general, that business, I think. Um, but I finally got a good night's sleep, and I still thought yesterday was Sunday, so I, I, I had to rethink it for a second. I was like, is it, is it Tuesday? Is it Monday? Is it Wednesday? All the days are blurred together. But I'm back on track. It's Tuesday. We know it. I got to tell you guys, it's funny. I, uh, I The number of like things I pass on my way to the station, coming from the east side, cross 480 Bridge, and then into downtown, I pass. Now, today I noticed multiple references to bits on this station that are just like a reminder of where I'm going. Like if I ever get lost for some reason or I'm just daydreaming and I take a wrong turn, I'll know I'm not going the right way because of the reminders that I pass to remind me that I'm headed to 92.3. The first one, and for those of you who I guess venture into downtown Cleveland from, I guess, the southern regions, or if you're coming like east and then cut up, There is a giant billboard on 77 that reads syphilis in giant letters. And that's an instant reminder of the Kent Carmen show with Anthony Lima. And then today, I, uh, when I was getting off 77 and coming down on 14th to turn on the prospect, I passed another sign that is just literally, this is just right up from Playoff Square here. There's a giant sign that is a countdown to the solar eclipse in April. I think it said something like 47 days left until we, uh, until we hit the solar eclipse day. And obviously, Guardians uh, home opener or opening day here in Cleveland for the Guardians. Which I thought was hilarious given the recent conversation from last week on Afternoon Drive when Daryl and Nick went back and forth about whether or not this thing matters or not. I, here's the thing about the eclipse for me. I'm I'm kind of, I don't want to say like a nerd, but I guess, I don't know. I, I guess admittedly I am a little bit nerdy about certain things. I think stuff that's like in nature or like just natural phenomenons that happen around us in, in the world or space or whatever, I find that stuff somewhat fascinating. So yeah, the eclipse to me is, is kind of cool. Like I, I know Nick was downplaying it as like it didn't matter saying it's ridiculous that anybody gives a rip about it. I I think it's cool. I will partake. I'll get the glasses and go stand outside and view it for the however many seconds it lasts and be able to say that I saw the closest thing to a, a full eclipse in, in Cleveland where I was at some point in time and to be a great kid, a great story for the grandkids one day, right? The day that uh, there was a solar eclipse in downtown Cleveland, same day the Guardians opened their season. How about that? But I also didn't realize that this was such a big phenomenon that, I mean, this for some people, this is like the Super Bowl. I didn't realize that. The number of people that are coming into town that weekend, I mean, listen, Cleveland has, been, has proven that they can host big events. The RNC in 2016, you had the MLB All-Star Game shortly after that. You had the NBA All-Star Game. You had the NFL Draft, which wasn't really the true feeling of the NFL Draft because it was COVID. Um, and then you had the Women's Final Four coming this year. So, like, the, the the Cleveland is shot at shot in terms of 
getting big events here, bringing big events here. This isn't one that they can necessarily plan for. It is a natural phenomenon, like I said, that happens once in, what, however many years? So, yeah, like the idea that you could like plan for this isn't a thing. But we know that Cleveland has the infrastructure to host this type of thing, but it's basically like an extra big-time event that is coming to Cleveland because you got all these people coming into town for the... It's almost like they're hosting a solar eclipse convention. It's wild to me. And I and I didn't like I, until that conversation between Nick and Daryl last week. I hadn't really thought about the idea that people were like traveling, flying in, driving in to be here for this thing just to see the twenty seconds. I don't even know if that's right. That it's going to that the we're going to see the full eclipse. Like that seems like a lot of money just to come to Cleveland to see that. If you're going to be here, I guess you know make yourself at home, do some other things around town, go see a play at Playoff Square. Go to the Guardians game, sit in the seats and watch the game or watch the clips from the stands. I don't know, but to just come into town for that seems wild. As 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 geeky, I guess, as I am about the idea of this of seeing the solar clips, I'm also not somebody who would get in the car, pack up my entire family, and drive somewhere to see it unless it was like within, I guess, an hour or two hours of here. Like if it was in Columbus, sure. If it was in Cincinnati, yeah, I'm not driving to Cincinnati just to see an eclipse. It's crazy. I, I, I just didn't realize that there was an entire cult following for people to come to town just to see a solar eclipse. But hey, when you get here, welcome. But if you want to know how many days until, I mean, I guess you, you can look two places because we know the Guardians are going to do the countdown to opening day thing out in the gate there. But you can also look on this billboard right at the street from Playoff Square, right from the chandelier on East 14th. That tells you exactly how many days until the solar eclipse. There you go. 216-474-0092. It's Spencer German filling in for JP tonight. And I got to tell you guys, I know that we're all getting excited about the idea of the Browns adding a wide receiver. And rightfully so. It's It, it feels like a position of need. I know Daryl uh, in, in in the afternoon drive mentioned he doesn't know that it's this major need because you got Amari Cooper there. I get all that. I still think it's a it's a bigger need than maybe others would 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 expect. When you have a number one in Amari Cooper, I think the coop the, the the context of having Amari Cooper is more important to the type of receiver they should be getting, less so about you know going for the the big fish if you will. But I don't know that I can just write it off as, yeah, you don't need it. You don't need to go do anything there. I, I think it's something they're going to assess and, and, and look to address this offseason. But as you hear names like Deshaun Watson mentions T. Higgins on his, his podcast, the QB Unplugged podcast a couple weeks ago, and everybody starts dreaming up this, this scenario where he hits free agency and, and comes to Cleveland, even though it's probably unlikely because he's going to get franchise tagged and I'm sure the Bengals are trying to work out a deal with them or whatever. Like, we all like to dream big on these things. And then over the weekend, Jordan Schultz reports that Mike Evans is likely going to go into the free agency because him and, and the Buccaneers are far apart on a deal. And it's unlikely that they get something done, even if they franchise tag him. So he's more bound to going in and going the free agency route than than anything else right now, and he'll, he'll test the waters. 
There was also a report that he's like scanning to see or waiting to see what the team does with Baker Mayfield. And if he's back, maybe he's back. So there's some factors there at play. And so now we're all dreaming big about the idea of Mike Evans joining this roster and coming to Cleveland. And listen, I'm not trying to burst anybody's bubble on these players or these wide receivers or the, the options that are out there. Calvin Ridley is available is going to likely be available. Um, Gabe Davis is being talked about. Gabe Davis actually falls in line with more of what I think the Browns could go after in terms of, and maybe not because if he sees as somebody like Mike Evans signs before him, he's going to use that as a barometer for what he thinks he should make. Cause all these guys, they want as more, more or as much as the next guy that gets, that gets signed. So he might just max himself out just based on how the market moves with the wide receiver position this year. But yes, the idea of Gabe Davis is, Davis is fine. But there's some other big names out there that I think we like to dream up or fantasize about, daydream about, coming to Cleveland and playing alongside Amari Cooper and playing with Deshaun Watson. I don't know how realistic many of these guys are, And I also just think if you're looking only at free agency, you're looking under the wrong stones for them to address this position in general. Look at the history. Look at Andrew Barry's history since he's been here. How has he addressed the wide receiver position? It's largely been via trades or the NFL draft. And I don't think you can get away this year with just drafting a wide receiver. I think they've tried and... Uh, failed is the wrong word. I don't want to say they tried and failed. That's not fair to them because not all these receivers are just complete garbage. There's some promise in a guy like David Bell. There's some promise with a, with a guy like Cedric Tillman. Obviously, Anthony Schwartz wasn't a good pick, and that didn't pan out. But I don't want to say that they've only drafted garbage. But their history of developing wide receivers isn't necessarily there. They don't have a reputation for that at this point. So I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, if they draft a wide receiver, that's enough, and they're going to be okay with just that. I think it's going to need to be more than simply just drafting a wide receiver. They might still draft a wide receiver, but I think you got to do more. But I don't know that we should be looking at Mike Evans, Gabe da- even Gabe Davis, Calvin Ridley, the guys who are going to be the top of the market guys in free agency and thinking those are the guys they should go after, especially with the salary cap, yes, we got the report over the weekend that sources everywhere are whispering that it's going to be closer to $250 million. Thank you, Taylor Swift, for the interjection of money into the salary cap with all the spending that the Swifties did this year. Uh, and that helps the Browns in terms of their cap situation because right now they're estimated to be like $20 million over the cap. That helps them maybe eating $63 million of Deshaun Watson's contract and just biting the bullet on what his cap is going to be this year. So... There's some good that comes from that from the Browns. But will they still be able to clear enough space to go make a big free agent acquisition at wide receiver? I don't know about that. History tells us that's not the way they address that position. And so I think there's other guys that we need to talk about maybe being on the table, but they're guys that the Browns would have to trade for. That seems to be the method to Andrew Berry's madness in recent history. 216 474 do you think the Browns are going to strict? Or do you think the Browns are going to look in the free agent market for a wide receiver? Are they going to use the trades? They're going to use a trade, maybe swing a deal for a wide receiver. That feels more likely to me at this point than going out and getting one of these big name guys in free agency. 
I'll give you some names that intrigue me that could be available via trade. If you want to jump in with some of your favorite ideas or options, or if you want to rally against one of mine or, or back one of mine, you can do that next right here on 92.3 The Fan, 216-474-992. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Spencito underscore. Off and running, overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here on 92.3 The Fan. I don't know. I just, I don't really get jazzed up about, oh, international game for this team. Maybe it's because I can't afford to go. I don't know. I just don't know how exciting that really is for people, especially in this instance, the Browns don't lose a home game, but I don't know. We'll talk about it coming up. Also, Matt Derry set to join me, colleague of ours here at the station. He is set to join me at 820. We'll talk Guardians. Chris Manning later in the show, 10 o'clock. We'll stop by to talk Cavaliers. Final third of the regular season is going to get rolling this week. And the Cavaliers start it as the two seed in the East. So we'll see how it all shakes out and, and what this thing looks like. But exciting times for Cleveland as the All-Star break concludes. 216-474-92. I know we're all excited about the idea of the Browns pursuing wide receivers this offseason. I think it is a top priority for them. Clearly something that they need to address and take care of and, and add to. I, I always like to say you can never have too many wide receivers there shouldn't be some false sense of hope that because Patrick Mahomes just did it with a uh, Island of Misfit Toys group of wide receivers with Kadarius Toney, who has always just been such a, a big question mark and a whole bunch of nothing other than Rasheed Rice, who came on a little bit later in the year, and then Travis Kelsey as your real top target that you should just neglect the wide receiver position because, hey, the Chiefs neglected the wide receiver position. The Chiefs also have the best quarterback in football, so I'm not banking on that, especially when we haven't seen the consistency from Deshaun Watson yet. So if the goal here is to get the, make the wide receiver room better, I understand why we like to get excited about the notion of or the idea of T. Higgins and Mike Evans and you know fill-in-the-blank wide receiver that's a big name that's going to hit free agency this year. Calvin Ridley. But I'm going to be honest, guys. History tells us that's not the way Andrew Barry in this front office addressed that position specifically. Two years ago, 2022, the guy who's the Browns' number one wide receiver right now, how'd they get him? Amari Cooper. They made a trade. A really good trade, by the way. Andrew Barry won that deal by a mile to acquire Amari Cooper. And what's he done for you? A couple thousand yard seasons in a row. How about that? First time in franchise history. Okay. So that's one example. Elijah Moore last year, who is supposed to kind of be your consensus number two wide receiver. How'd they acquire him? Well, they traded their second round pick last year for Elijah Moore and their and the Jets' third round pick. Again, a trade. I mentioned in the first segment. The draft is another area where they've always kind of prioritized picking up wide receivers. It's been Cedric Tillman. It's been Anthony Schwartz before that. It's been uh, David Bell, among others. Like, they, they clearly do try to develop guys in the, from the draft. That hasn't panned out as well. But when they try to get a veteran player that's at least a notable name of some capacity, it's it tends to be via trade. I know Elijah Moore isn't on the level maybe of the wide receivers that we're thinking about. But I, I just don't know 
if we should, ex- I think we're looking in the wrong place for this team to add at that position. I don't think they're going to go out and drop $20 million on a free agent wide receiver. I just don't. Whether that's T. Higgins, whether that's Mike Evans, who's already at 30 for his career, like already 30 at this point in his career. Like, I don't know if they make that investment. I, I really, really don't. Because of what the recent history tells us with Andrew Barry. I also think you can expound that argument to not just the wide receiver position, but all the big moves that they make in, in recent off seasons have been via trade. Elijah Moore was one of them last year, but the biggest move I think they made last year was the Darius Smith. That was traded for a guy who was in the last year of his deal, came in here, see what he can do for you, get the money off the books. Maybe you try to re-sign him. He did have a good year. Not his best numbers, but he had a good year opposite of Miles Garrett. Helped Miles Garrett be as dominant as he was and made this defensive line great, so they might explore re-signing him. But the, the strategy remains the same. Let's get a guy with a short-term control, see what we can get out of them, see if they're worth anything in terms of reinvesting in later. I mentioned the Cooper trade. That was one of the big moves in 2022. Who else did they get in 2022? Oh, just somebody named Deshaun Watson. So each offseason, the biggest moves that you can think of that they've made have come via trade. And then everything else is like ancillary moves. It's, okay, let's sign Juan Thornhill. It's, let's sign Obo Okuanquo. It's, let's sign, or I guess the Shelby Harris was a trade. That wasn't a major move. Or no, Shelby Harris was a signing. I take that back. He just signed late in the year. But like Shelby Harris was uh, was a signee. The list goes on and on. So as we try to figure out where the Browns are going to go, where their minds are at, what they're thinking specific to the wide receiver position, I think we're looking in the wrong place. I think it's going to come via trade. Now, who would they look at? This is all just pie-in-the-sky stuff. I don't want to say pie-in-the-sky stuff, but this is all just like theorizing right now. So I don't know. Like The guys I'm about to rattle off, there hasn't been a ton of buzz, what, a week into the offseason since the se- since their whole season ended? I guess a month into the most teams' offseason's beginning um, about these guys getting traded. But there's some options that I think warrant discussion. One of them was brought up last week when Albert Breer was on afternoon drive. Brandon Ayuk. He's 25, going into the last year of his rookie deal. It was the fifth-year option year, which they picked up. It's $14 million that he's owed. And you know what? You go add Brandon Ayuk, make a trade for him. Maybe that's a good move. You can see what you can get out of him for a year. And if not, he hits free agency and no one's the wiser. Another one I wrote down, and this is a guy who the Browns have been linked to multiple times, mind you, is Brandon Cooks, who is currently, as we know with the Cowboys, there was talk about the Browns trying to trade for him last year. He's only 20. He's going to be going into his age 29 season. Or sorry, he's going to be going to his age 31 season. I apologize. But only going to count against the cap $8 million if you were to trade for him. And there there has been some murmurs that the Cowboys are going to potentially move Brandon Cooks. That's been a, a point of discussion. Of the options I'm giving you, we talk about the Bronstein speed. He's the one that gives you like one of the better times in terms of a 40 time and speed. I also put Keenan Allen on this list. Now, Allen is obviously on the wrong side of 30. He's going to be 32 next year. And he's not the fastest guy. But he'd only count against your cap $18 million in 2024. 
It's not bad. A little under that $20 million mark that we think some of these top-end guys are going to get, but it's also only for a year, and then you see what happens if he hits free agency. Again, new regime out in L.A. There's a chance that they might want to move some things around, change some things up. Another guy wrote down is A.J. Brown. There was some talk about him being unhappy in Philly. Maybe he's going to go to be on the move. Now, this is probably more of an expensive trade. You probably got to give up a first-round pick maybe next year or something like that because A.J. Brown still is a really, really good player. He is going to be 27 going in the next year. But if you traded for him, his base salary next year is only $1.1 million. And then it jumps to 15 and then it jumps to 30 after that. But $1.1 million for a chance to get that guy on your roster because all the rest of the money goes back to the Eagles because it's the guaranteed stuff. I mean, why the hell not? And then the last name I put on this list, again, a short list of just ideas, options, the guys that could. We start. We might start hearing rumors about, especially at the Combine, because the Combine is always ripe with rumors of players that could be available in trades and GMs swinging deals and all these different things. If Washington, new regime, new head coach, new GM, trying to build things their own way. This one feels kind of unlikely because I think they want to try to make this guy a a cornerstone player in their offense. But if for some reason Terry McLaurin becomes available, I sign up for that in a heartbeat. He's going to be $29, $15 million he's due next year as he's he's in the sort of middle portion prime prime of his career. Does he really want to be part of a rebuild? He could come to Cleveland. You could trade for him. And guess what? He's an instant impact player. He's also got a good 40 time. He's a faster guy. And he's only due on the books next year for $15 million as well in terms of base salary. So there's some flexibility to move some money around and make him a very affordable asset the next two years. You got control of him for two years. I like all these guys as options. Again, I'm, I'm out here brainstorming. This doesn't mean all these guys are going to be available. The rumors will start to uptick a little bit more next week during the combine. But I'm throwing these guys out there because they're not free agent guys. They're guys you'd have to acquire via trade. That seems to be the method to Andrew Berry's madness about how he adds at that position. It's trades. It's through the draft, trying to develop. I think we're looking in the wrong place if we think they're going to make some big splash in free agency and open up cap space just to use and and dump $20 on a wide receiver. When they can trade for one, that's going to be a little bit more affordable only take on their base salary and maybe convert some of that into a signing bonus or something, kick it down the line and avoided years, whatever you got to do. But yeah, that's the route I think the Browns are taking. I think that's the thing we're missing here with the Browns wide receiver free agent option or the, the Browns wide receiver priority uh, considerations this offseason. 216-474-92. Do you agree with me that the trade route could be the way the Browns go when they're looking for a wide receiver? Who are some of the guys that you like as potential trade candidates? Did you like anybody on my list? My list, again, real quick here. Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Brandon Cooks, Brandon Ayuk. Any of those names do it for you. Let's go to Adam in Lakewood. What's up, Adam? Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I try to I try to uh, capture and retain the names you, you put out, but I just want to say we can get any of those guys. We can get... Jerry Rice in his prime or Michael Irvin in his prime. We're going to jump we into DeLorean a- and go back in time, huh? <laughs> yeah, but the, the critical thing is we don't have a quarterback. Mm. So, you know, Andrew Barry gets press for uh, the receiver spot is his blind spot, and I agree with you. Amari uh, Cooper was a steal. 
But how can how can a young receiver develop if you don't know who your quarterback is week to week? And as a Browns fan who wants a Super Bowl, I don't care about playoffs. I don't care about winning the division. It is high time that the Cleveland Browns won the Super Bowl. I would sleep so good if they said we're running it back with Joe, get him for some affordable veteran deal, and let Deshaun heal and – I understand he's he potentially has court dates coming up, man. We're still dealing with this. How are any of these young receivers or anybody supposed to develop in this situation? My man, I don't know if you agree with me or not. We don't know if we have a quarterback. Yeah. Let's re-sign Joe and let's go to town. I think who's the young man Tillman? He got many, many yards and a couple of touchdowns yeah. in his few games with Joe. Prior to that, well, was he barely contributing on uh, special teams? Yeah. I mean, are so, you reading my so, mail? So, Adam, a quarterback. so Adam, I, I, I'm I, with you on that. We don't know the full story to Sean Watson. We don't know if he's ever going to get back to the guy who was in Houston or even become a top 10 quarterback again. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to think I tend to think there's still a top 10 quarterback in there. I don't think he just forgot how to play quarterback. I, I think there's some mental aspect to this where – He's trying to. He's overthinking. He's trying to do too much at once because he wants to just win back his reputation and everything on every single play. I think that's a factor. Now this injury to his shoulder, I think, is a potential factor. So yeah, I have yeah. my concerns. I, I definitely have my concerns, and I, and, I, and I'm not opposed to bringing back Joe Flacco as a backup option. I don't know if they're going to do it, and I understand why that maybe raises some controversy because then you get the fan and the fan perspective of put Joe in during the season and you get that pressure from the outside that they'd have to kind of work through if that happened. So I don't know if Joe Flacco's back next year. I think probably he won't be, but I, I don't begrudge fans who feel like they should bring Joe back. I just don't know if it's going to be realistic because let's face it, Adam, we can sit here all we want and blow hot air out of our mouths about how the Browns don't have a quarterback or we don't know if they have a quarterback or we have concerns about the quarterback. It's not going to matter when push comes to shove, when, when, when on September 6th, that Friday, on September 6th, on September 6th, when we're expecting the Browns to open the season in Brazil against the Eagles, Deshaun <laughs> Watson's going to be the starting quarterback barring injury because they have too much invested in him to not play him. And they still believe that at least they say they still believe that he's going to be their long-term quarterback and that he's the guy. So yeah. No matter well, what we I, say, I like what you're saying. they're going to start. I like what you're saying, but the space about push comes to shove, that is the push. That is the shove. We gave this guy, I mean, I respect his salary, but the guy's got to play and perform well. You're right, Adam, but they're going to sort of, they're going to, the, the, here's the problem, Adam, and I, and I agree with you. Again, appreciate the call. He does need to perform for anybody to take any sort of stock in. He is the guy, he's not the guy, whatever. There, like he's not getting any sympathy at this point of like, oh, well, it's just rust and all these different things. Like, no, it's 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 put up or shut up time for him. It is. I, I am not denying that at all from your perspective. But the Browns are going to keep trying their damnedest to prove that this thing worked. They're, they're not just going to fold up shop and throw in the towel, especially when it's a fully guaranteed contract. Like, no matter what they do with him, they're going to owe him a massive amount of money if he gets traded or if they were to release him, like it can't, the answer can't just be get rid of him and let's just start Joe Flacco because guys, like there's too much money tied to this guy at this point. While they're paying him, they're going to see what they have. 
and they're going to try to get the most out of him and prove that this was the right thing. I think that's the other aspect. They want to be proven right. I don't know how a conversation about wide receivers turned into a conversation about Deshaun, but here we are. 216-474-0092. Kyle and Rocky River will get to you after the break. Other callers, other tweets. We'll get to all that next. It's Spencer German in for JP tonight. Overtime with Jonathan Peter. And the Browns' pursuit of wide receivers this offseason turned into the Deshaun Watson thing. Um, I mean, listen, we can't ignore that conversation because it's, it's not even the elephant in the room because we talk about it. It's just flatly, it's there, it's lurking, it's not even lurking, it's, it's, it's the disaster right in front of our faces that we're hoping we avoid becoming a disaster. Like we're, we're, It's like watching a car crash in slow motion. You're trying to find something to avert the car from crashing so that you don't end up in this accident. You're like, ah, uh, let's find a maneuver here. And you're hoping that maneuver is that Deshaun Watson just plays well this year, and then we can stop talking about it. Because we'll know. Because, like, yeah, it's going to come up again next week, and it's going to come up the week after that. It's going to be an off-season-long discussion. Deshaun Watson will always come up somehow. But the point of this conversation was just about the Browns pursuing wide receivers. I wasn't trying to sidebar this into the Deshaun Watson thing. It was more so just about history telling us how the Browns usually acquire wide receivers and how they're going to do that this offseason. I'm thinking it's going to be the same sort of path. I don't know if it's going to be forking over $20 million a year on a Mike Evans or a T. Higgins if he even hits free agency or whoever. So I threw out some names. Whether Deshaun Watson is the, the long-term starting quarterback or not, that's a conversation for another day. I still think the Browns need to add at that position. And, and so that's why we're, we're starting with this conversation here tonight. By the way, we're archiving all the past episodes so you can hear what you missed. But... Don't miss the next episode of Carmen and Lima's Emerging Podcast Scene Thursday morning at 10.15, presented by Extend Technologies on 92.3, the fan extra channel, part of the Odyssey app. 216-474-0092. Do you like the idea of any of these wide receivers I'm throwing at you that could be potentially, again, I don't know anything, I'm not reporting anything here, but that could ultimately end up being trade options for Cleveland on the wide receiver market. Keenan Allen. A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Brandon Cooks, and Brandon Ayuk. Any of those names do it for you. For players, the Browns could maybe engage with the, their respective teams to trade for. And my, my thought process behind this is we're all enamored with the names out in the free agent market, but it seems like Andrew Barry likes to acquire wide receivers either through the draft or via trade or just land his biggest players each year via trade. I think that's ultimately the route that he could take. 216-474-0192. Let's go to Kyle in Rocky River. What's up, Kyle? Hey, Spencer. Uh, thanks for taking my call, man. And, and first time chatting with you. First things first, buddy. I think you do an absolutely fantastic job on the radio. Always great hearing you. So, uh, Thank you. Glad I appreciate I'm to chat that. with you here tonight, brother. But I um, want to make a point first, and then I'm going to follow up on the, uh, the trade conversation with a question and want to hear your thoughts. Back, I, I know we're not trying to turn this into a Deshaun Watson conversation. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here. But okay. I think Browns fans should watch the playoffs. And I'm not a Deshaun Watson fan. Let me, let me just get that out there. But I think Browns fans should watch the playoffs and have a realization of why this team traded for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. When, you, when you see Patty Mahomes doing what's he, what he's doing in the, uh, in the playoffs, you have to know if you have, if you have a football IQ that as much as we love Joe Flacco, that's probably not getting over the hump to ultimately win that Super Bowl that we're looking for. So 
that yeah. that that's just my first point well, there. Real, but- real quick, I just respond to you really quickly because I mean, it sounds like you listen when I'm when I'm in. But if you ever haven't heard me say it, I I have never begrudged the Haslams, whoever was behind the move to get to Sean Watson. I've never begrudged them for doing it because, like, on the surface, it's easy to understand why they did what they did. To your point, yeah, they're sitting there watching these playoff teams, and they're like, you need elite quarterback play to get to that level. This franchise hasn't been able to find or hit on an elite quarterback in 20-plus years since the team returned in 99, so I can't blame them for almost in a desperation move being like, let's go get this guy who at one point was a top-five even quarterback. No, now, no, if he not- doesn't pan out – then we have a different conversation and we can say it was the worst trade ever and it was stupid. But for now, yeah, like I'm not going to sit here and bl- even at, even, even if that happens, I'm not like the, the, the premise behind why they did it makes sense to me, whether it was yeah, the right, it, wh- think, whether it was the right player, player to break the bank for that can be debated. I think, and, I, and honestly, I think a lot of fans are scared to admit this. I think a lot of fans are in the same boat that I am. I'm not sure if it's the same boat that you are in, but I think everyone was stoked. Well, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people, whether they want to admit it or not, were stoked when we got to Sean, have fallen into this feeling that we feel now about him over the last, what it is, two years. Because let's, let's say what it is. It, it sucked with him. It, it, I shouldn't say it sucked, but it's not what we thought it would be. So we're, we're, we're playing that back and forth game of, is this guy ever going to come back for what we traded for, or are we stuck with what we've seen the last two years? And I think I think a lot of fans are in that mindset right now. But following up on what you're saying trade-wise, yeah. I actually haven't thought about Terry McLaurin. I think out of everyone you mentioned, Terry makes the most sense. I think Brandon Ayuk was another good name. But transparently, I think him and Cooper kind of fit that same mold. Great Agreed. route runners Agreed. versus McLaurin getting that speed threat. But what I was curious your thoughts on, and, and again, no, he's a local favorite having that Buckeye blood, but – is it time to maybe consider looking at potentially trading Denzel? And I don't know what that would mean to the cap. I don't know what his contract would look like in the, in the trade market, but he is a absolutely game changing cornerback when he's on the field. But it just seems like every single year that time we need Denzel, he is not on the field. And it's starting to seem like if we could get a second round pick, a second round pick and a player, I mean, a first-round pick, I mean, I think you have to make it at that point. I was just curious to see your thoughts yeah. talking about the wide receiver trade market, what you thought about Denzel being looped into just the trade conversation overall. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Kyle. I'll answer it here as we, as we let you go, but thank you for calling in, man. It was good stuff. So the, the contract thing is the biggest thing with Denzel, and if he was traded – I know that people who aren't the cap savants or the how these things work or contract savants, and I'm not, I don't even consider myself one, but I do love the math on this stuff, and I like to dig into it. Um, if he's traded pre-June 1st, because there's that June 1st sort of deadline that allows you to space out money if you release a guy or cut a guy or trade a guy. Um, if he's traded pre-June 1, you eat $26 million as a cap hit, which just will the, the Browns will never be able to vet, uh, justify that so I don't think it's going to happen if you trade him post June 1 it's still 26 million dollars but you can spread it out over the length of the next or over the next two years so you would take on 7 million this year and then 19 million next year which is still a pretty big number for next year to pay to be paying for a guy that's not even on your roster anymore Especially when you know, like the Deshaun Watson deal doesn't get any easier. It's it's going to be a similar number. It's over sixty million next year if you eat what you're 
what's on there. If you eat what's on the books this year for him. So I, I think it's just too hard of a contract to move right now. I also think they still value Denzel Ward a lot, even though he does get hurt quite a bit. But I, I, I see what you're saying. See, it's funny because before Denzel signed his extension, I actually was in the camp of thinking, and this was during the, was it during last season? No, 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 no. This was two seasons ago because it was the Greedy Williams, it was the Greedy Williams, Greg Newsome year. And those two were playing so well together that I kind of said, with Denzel Ward out to start the season, I was like, does this team need to extend Denzel Ward? And that wasn't a knock on Denzel Ward. I think he's a great player. I was just saying, like, if they just keep pumping out good corners, you can just kind of pass the, the the buck down and keep on going to the next guy versus having to pay a guy big money and then you know that that holds you up a little bit with, with, the, with the salary cap situation. Um, so that was kind of my thought process. And back then it was the whole, well, are they going to pay Baker? And so once you pay Baker, how much does that, you know, make maneuvering in the offseason with the cap more difficult? So like that was kind of the thought process I had. And then obviously they paid Denzel and that went out the window. And I'm not saying they were wanting to pay Denzel because when he's out there, he is a phenomenal corner, one of the best in the game. And there's absolutely no denying that. But yeah, from like a business standpoint, I can see why some fans are saying like maybe it makes sense to trade him. I just don't think that that's a movable contract right now for the from the Browns standpoint because of how much dead money they'd have to eat. It doesn't make sense. Two one six four seven four double ninety two. Are you on board with a wide receiver trade rather than a wide receiver free agent signing? Because it seems like that's the route the Browns tend to go is utilizing that free agent market. Or sorry, the, the trade market, rather. It's how they got Amari Cooper. It's how they got Elijah Moore. And I think I could see them doing that again. I gave you some names. I like Brandon Cooks. I still like Brandon Cooks, even on the wrong side of 30. He's he's a cheap get if you were to trade for him. Maybe you can fleece the Cowboys again. I do like Brandon Ayuk. I really like Terry McLaurin if that one were to actually come to fruition. We don't know if it's possible, if, the, if Washington's really ready to move on from him. But if they are, man, I would sign up for that in a heartbeat. Him with Amari Cooper and the speed factor there. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Poetry in motion, as Amari Cooper said about Joe Flacco. Let's take a break. When we get back, more Browns conversation because Peter King was on Afternoon Drive today and he talked about why there's the potential the Browns could play the Eagles on that Friday night Brazil international game of week one. Do we actually get excited about these international games? Is that something that, like, we used to, we, we we're so used to counting. Oh, how many primetime games does a team have? And this would be one of them, I guess, in that way. But does that get you excited when you see your team playing internationally? 216-474-0092 on Twitter at Spence C2 underscore. We'll do that next. We got Matt Derry at 820. One hour down, four to go. On overtime with Jonathan Peterlin and Spencer German with you on 92 to the 5th.